amazing. How long is the counting? Maybe I've got this zoomed. Alright, I had this scrolled out so far, I couldn't even see the playhead moving. Good morning, coffee drinkers. What's happening? Podcast, coffee drinker podcast, number two. In the in the effort to be consistent. I'm back for more. Day two is Sunday. I did something I never do. I always leave it three years and forget how highly demanding it is. <laughs> A little bit stressful, although very rewarding. Um, I'm talking about giving some private lessons. I gave a few private lessons today. Five, to be exact. Great questions, great students, really cool group of people. Um, it, was, it was really fun. It's just unbelievably uh, intense. I would say, really thinking about things, putting things under a microscope, being asked, being asked similar questions, but needing to come up with really different and quite individual answers to provide solutions because everyone's different. Everyone processes this stuff and deals with this stuff in a completely different way. So there's not one answer when it comes to solving issues, musically related, bass related issues. Talking about issues, I got rid of that high pitch thing. Yeah, from the computer yesterday. Now the bass is just humming. Mm. It's not one thing, it's the other. We're talking a lot today in these private lessons about like the importance or not of kind of notating your transcriptions, working on something, transcribing something, learning something from a record, whether that's a solo, like a like a jazz solo. Hey, look at that, on cue. Doesn't get a lot more jazz than that. That's Sonny Rollins, that's uh, Saxophone Colossus, that is. That's St. Thomas, his solo on that. I use that as an example for something today about talking about motivic development and the way he he really uses simple a very simple motif in the beginning of that solo and develops the heck out of it and also makes the kind of the um, makes when he does go into playing linear ideas and bebop stuff Sonny Rollins, but when he does go into playing some linear ideas, having played a motivically developed, having played a motivically developed uh, phrase, it gives the linear idea, gives the bebop thing so much more. It makes it so much more effective. I think. I actually turned my pedals around the right way so I can reach them today, so I can actually put things in the loop or talk about things as they come up. Trying to be efficient. about the rhythm part there apparently maybe I'll scrub that out and try again
Five hours straight, 10 a.m. till 3 p.m. teaching today. All via Skype, nothing in person, but still one-on-one -on -one and quite personal. and Just pretty pretty taxing on the brain. And then, of course, not, not really practicing today as a result of that. So you guys are getting that right now. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize. Everyone knows where the stop button is or the skip or the swipe or whatever it is on the device you're using, so... Feel free at any time. I'm gonna see if I can get this. Just all these things swimming around in my head right now, having talked about it so much today. It'd be nice to actually implement some of it in my own playing, some of these things I've been harping on about to students all day. And just the idea of Kind of playing out a little bit. And the, the varying degrees of what out is. And when you get out, you know, where's the roadmap to get back home again? And I talked about it. I made an analogy. I don't think I'd ever thought about it this way before, but like poison and antidote. Like the poison being the outside playing and then how much antidote does does the patient, i.e. the audience, the listening audience need? How much antidote does the audience need to cure them of the outside playing and bring them back uh, to consciousness and to like being inside the music because hopefully when you play or any kind of music it's not just a room full of musicians who are dealing with harmony and they're dealing with actually understanding the technicality of what it is you're doing and the theory of what it is you're doing like if you are a musician I'm sure you've done this before you've sat there at a concert and you've listened and you've you can't help but analyze a little bit right so hopefully you're getting people who at, at a show who aren't doing that. I don't know how common that is at a jazz show. But hopefully there are people like that. So there are people that are there just dealing in emotion and experience and not in theory. So I like to play for those people. Because if I'm performing from a place of like emotion and, and experience and storytelling rather than a, a place of theory and technicality then hopefully the the performance is is kind of honest in that sense hey, who knows but that's <clears throat> it's a nice idea I think and that's kind of what I was thinking about today like getting out getting back in telling the story creating the tension releasing the tension finding ways to practice that which is exactly what I'm doing right this second trying to put that into motion I'm 
from to uh, to yesterday feels completely different if i turn my monitoring down a little bit and maybe because i have a compressor engaged about about all of those things when I'm playing chords I think when I'm playing you know maybe rubato or I'm improvising chord sequences and chord changes in real time perhaps as an intro to a song or just as a okay <laughs> and that probably popped right up on the feed did it did it not I don't know if you get to hear all my IM sounds Chelsea's just checking in and it's about to go ping again. Chelsea is playing through an SWR redhead. Apparently that's the same amp they have at Disney. I'm going to tell her you're live on the podcast right now. People want to hear your gig stories. Now she'll shut it down and stop. Stop. Uh, wow. <laughs> She's telling me she can't tell this story on a podcast. So she should know by now that I'm going to tell you guys that she has a story to tell that she can't tell on a podcast. Oh, well, it may be personal. So I'll give her a pass on that one. But yeah, they did have apparently a nice upright bass there at the venue where she is with Dust Bowl Revival. So you can play a little, little large fiddle today. But what that did do was make me totally lose my train of thought. I was talking about chords, right, and about trying to improvise that tension and release in within chords, rather than having this static thing that I'm playing over, or even a chord sequence that I'm playing through, and creating tension and release as I go. You know, using all those things I talk about, like the the density of the sound, whether whether that's density of harmony, density of rhythm, uh, density of harmonic, of harmonic rhythm, like how often I'm changing the chords. And the quality of those chords and whether those chords sound kind of, uh, you know, I, was, I think I was making an example earlier on about how to get away from a simple tonality and move into reharms and using a melody to do that. So just playing in G here. And the concept being to play in G, so play totally diatonically in G. Oof, 
intonation still has not improved since yesterday. I will tune it up. But yeah, just to play totally diatonically in G, and no matter what melody note, no matter what note of the scale you land on, that becomes a static melody note. And then you got to go with some sort of option um, from there, like to change the ch change the chord and and change the change the feeling of what's going on. So. So right there I land on a on a D and a very obvious choice, at least obvious to my ear probably because I play it quite a bit, um, is to is to go there to E flat major seven so the D becomes the major seven. But there are obviously so many options there and just being in control of all of those options is is huge. So I just played involved the same melody note so knowing that I have like probably a dozen options to go uh, so from G to E flat or D over F sharp that's B flat with a sharp 5 in it where can I go here? Where I want to go? I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe that. That's A flat, uh, Lydian. And then just the ability to create chord sequences out of that. We're kind of getting away from the original concept, which was to create tension and release it in real time while I'm improvising chords. But I think this is a great, great stepping stone. Actually, a great building block of that. super in control of that G tonality and, and, and again that is just moving inversions right there sounds quite pretty all on its own so root position first inversion second inversion root so maybe I'm somewhere here That's interesting actually so the concept being to play G in the root position go up to our melody note of D and hit that E flat chord now I'm going back to G but I'm going back to G in the first inversion so G over B I'm going up another melody note now I'm hitting G minor 13 now I'm going back to G major but in the second inversion this time G natural and I'm playing B minor 13 and now I'm going back to G in the root so I'm basically it's kind of cool root first second root inversions of G major and in between I want a different chord so we now we have a Chord sequence, a little corny on the end there, but um, you get you get the idea. Um, just by taking that melody note and making a quick reharm, now we have this whole chord sequence. So let's get rid of that original original loop and 
go. out as an exercise actually turning into music i think that was another thing that was emphasized today in the private lessons when we were talking about the you know what's what's the emphasis what's the most important thing what do you what do you use to really you know what, what's the what, what's the fundamental building block of a practice routine and that the common thread is that it, it really doesn't matter what the content is it's all about the intent that you're doing it with and of course whether you're inspired by it and trying to be musical. So I'm definitely, definitely trying to be musical here and like it's an exercise, but it's also coming up with a chord sequence and something I can really move around and something that changes tonal centers, something that really pushes me to make sure I'm in control of, of moving through an uncommon, at least uncommon to me, set of chord changes. I'm gonna give that another shot. of talking today already and now tracking this podcast I don't think I have another hour to be honest but um, I noticed how it, it's, it, it's making me or making me or helping me discover you know 
because I don't want to think about the chords as I'm playing. I want to think, okay, well, here's G and here's E flat, and G again and G minor and B flat here. I really want to develop melodies. So I noticed I was playing a couple of ideas there that, that I kind of ran through the changes, keeping the same kind of shape. target notes as well I was working up as I was going from G to the B flat minor and I could have switched at any point it just happened to go nicely to the five of the B of the B flat minor there to know those transition points from the two tonalities so I'm you know spent a lot of time practicing if it was just G to B flat minor being able to move at any point from one tonality to the other so so I'm playing up a G major scale and then be able to switch to B flat with the next note next available one from wherever I am in G. It's a good exercise. And of course the same going back as well, getting into that B flat tonality and then going back to G. And then of course being able to apply that in, in kind of real time. And with multiple chords. It's a big ask. I'm not saying you need to be able to do that right this second, but it's something to, to, if you're working on that kind of material, definitely something to be thinking about. I feel like there's too much bullshit about playing today. I don't know how you guys feel. There's also no like two-way street or comments or any of that kind of stuff on the podcast. Maybe that's why I like it so much. It's just a one-way thing. You put it out there and you forget about it and people dig it or they don't but you don't know and then you move on to the next thing but it is always nice to be guided a little bit by the oh okay buddy what do you see I guarantee you there's nobody outside so stop your barking um, so yeah nice to have some kind of feedback I guess where do we do that Twitter maybe Instagram I don't know not Twitter Twitter's kind of archaic Instagram maybe not Facebook I guess Instagram's the winner Maybe I'll put some podcast-related posts there and you guys can get at me through Instagram talking about a podcast. See maybe what you want to hear some more of. Hey, you know what would be great? Our suggestions of guests. I think that's what we should. Mission of today's podcast, although I talked about like 8,000 chordal concepts already, 
in the first 20 minutes. Um, maybe we should t think about guests, people you would like to hear from. Um, I don't know, bass players, musicians, athletes. I don't know. Just uh, it's always interesting. Always interesting talking to people, uh, great people, no matter what they do. Chelsea's got to be on the podcast, of course, when she gets back. Maybe I'll have a little bass luthier uh, edition while I'm in Sweden next week with Anders Matheson and we're finishing up the bases. That might be a good one. Sit down and chat while we're working on the bases and get you guys inside the process, let you know what we're doing, his thoughts, his concepts behind the instruments and and how I work with that as a player. It could be interesting. I think I'd want to hear that actually. So regardless of whether you guys vote for that or not, I think I'm going to talk to Anders and record it get some information um, yeah thing that came up today transcribing subdivisions and people were talking people asking about you know what's the importance of notating that stuff and writing it down and remembering it I was like well my memory's terrible the older I get the worse it gets so I can't remember things um, dog is going to go absolutely nuts right now because there is a package there. Cole Coley Oh. <laughs> wow. I might have to rethink the no editing the podcast thing if that is going to happen all the time. All right, danger's over. Delivery person has gone. Um, yeah, the question's about like notating stuff. And it, Cole. Okay. Now it's over. Um, yeah, the question's about notating stuff and it was it was amazing the common thread between all the people all the students asking the questions uh, about the notation the common thread was actually like okay we can hear the notes and for the most part hear the harmony and and, and write that down that it's this chord or it's that note but it was and i hear this it wasn't just from today i hear that a lot when people ask me about transcription is is about the the notation of the rhythms and i think there's a common thread of people perhaps needing to work a little harder on their on their rhythmic abilities and their rhythmic understanding when it when it comes to notation and it's crazy because it's not like we haven't all played most of these rhythms tens or hundreds of thousands of times before like it's not the rhythm that's uncommon to us it's like the visual a the visual uh, version of that rhythm the notated version of that rhythm that people kind of struggle with when they're writing stuff down so i i kind of started to think about it and be like well okay most people know what an eighth note is and can write you know eight eighth notes in a bar of four um so if the rhythm is not just that 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 but maybe the rhythm is down da 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 something like that da 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 so already you know if the rhythm is two three four down da 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 you already know that there's something on the downbeat. One, two, three, four, ang. Um. And it's a longer note. It's not a da, 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 da. So it sounds a little bit longer. It's not a half note. It's a quarter note because you can tell when the note finishes. If I sing a full quarter note, there should be silence on beat two. So three, four, bang, ba da, da. You hear how that note cut off on beat two? So we're identifying that as a quarter note. Bang, ba da, ba. 
And then I was saying like to a couple of students today, like why not just fill in all the eighth notes and then count down those eighth notes until the, the, the note that you actually want to do, the, actual, the note you actually want to notate in the transcription appears. So, da, so, dum, da, dum, 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 da, dum, dum. So if you have these eighth note, this kind of grid that you're applying to the bar of four, and this albeit is a fairly simple rhythm and is a very common time signature and very common subdivision, but you should really, uh, really try and start, start simple. So I would suggest something like this. So if you have the grid, that's what my finger is clicking right now. Bam, ba-dum, bam, bam, ba-dum, bam. So the thing that sticks out to me initially are the last two notes. Like those, the first note and the last two notes. We've got a total of bam, ba-dum, but we've got a total of four notes here in the bar. The first note, like we said, pretty easy as a quarter note on the downbeat. The last note, the last two notes stick out as well because they lock in really well with the eighth note, so they are eighth notes, and they finish the phrase. So, um, so it's just a question of getting that one kind of note that's floating somewhere that may not be completely obvious to someone who's not that in control of, of where exactly these rhythms fall. So slowing it down um, can, can kind of help if you if you have the rhythm, but slow it down. And you just got to lock in. Either if that falls on an eighth note that you're clicking, or if it falls in between them. And if it falls in between them, then you're looking at a sixteenth note. And then you go and subdivide one e and a two e and a rather than one and two and one e and a two e and a bum bum one e and uh so it's one uh bum bum it's on the uh it's the fourth sixteenth note of beat three and i kind of like just put everything on a grid try and have a, a a basic foundation basic reference point so i know okay these are all eighth notes and if something is longer and how much longer is it perhaps it's a chord note if something is shorter how much shorter is it perhaps that's a sixteenth note so i have a kind of a it's like a compass pointing north. You kind of have a reference point of where to go dense or sparse from, you know, uh, shorter notes or longer notes. Wow. Cole is really on one today, but there is nobody outside. I don't know what he's barking at. So, yeah, so just having that grid. And I think that grid go stands for a lot of stuff we do, especially as bass players and understanding, like, what's going on with a drama and locking into that grid and making sure you're on the same kind of grid, even if that grid is moving slightly or if it's slightly bendy or some dramas are behind the beat, some are on top of it, some are right in the middle, some can do all three. Um, if you have a loop going, there's my grid. Same concept applies. So even though I'm not transcribing, Bam, ba-dam, bam, like the rhythm we were just talking about. I still have that grid locked in there. So I can play off that grid and, and just really be in the pocket when it comes to improvising and play simple ideas and be really confident about where those notes are landing. Thank you. 
thing is not kind of happening today and I don't really know how my time was doing there but it should really be spot on as I'm talking about that gr whole grid thing and being <laughs> that being the catalyst for having good time and for having a good pocket and all that stuff but I hope you get the concept like everyone's grid is slightly different that's what makes it so much fun to play with different musicians because you kind of get into a completely different way of thinking time-wise each time you go through that process of learning someone else's grid and getting inside their head. I think that's what all transcription is about. It's not just about immersion in the vocabulary and in the language and about that becoming second nature and just being surrounded by it. I think it's also the interest, maybe that's just my kind of analytical or geeky side about wanting to get inside the brain of the person who was, who was playing the thing that has drawn me in that has piqued my curiosity you know I want to be inside Michael Brecker's head when he's playing all these these incredible lines and seeing where they come from and how they're developed and you know Cole he's going crazy today I don't know what's going on come here come here buddy You sit under the desk, you'll be fine. None of that stuff will bug you outside. Go on. Today's podcast may be cut short as the dog wants to run. It's been kind of cool being in a routine. It's not cool. The Chelsea's gone. I don't like that at all. Um, but trying to make the most of their situation while she's on the road and, I don't know, just be productive and take care of the dog and the cat and life in general it's a whole like different it's an adjustment it's like a total total shift and cooking for one that's not a lot of fun i miss cooking for chelsea um yeah it's 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 amazing what you take for granted you know just the the, the tiny things like the waking up in the morning or the, the the lunch break whatever it is small things small details you know, maybe watching a silly TV show or uh, listening to some music together or talking mad shit about something you both saw on YouTube. Yep, just like you, we are not immune to the YouTube trash talk sessions. <laughs> uh, it's, it can be fun though. Try and stay positive, but sometimes you gotta let it go. Let it go. Be interesting to do that publicly. Oof. Or there'd be a lot of upset people. I think the key is to trash talk yourself as well. I think in any good trash talking session, like I, I throw myself under the bus a few times as well because there are plenty of things I've done that I'm not proud of, <laughs> musically and otherwise. But I've definitely been trying to stay away from YouTube a little more. And do some more kind of, 
just in the moment stuff. I I talked yesterday about that being a little bit a little bit depressed about not playing live enough. But then okay, how can I how can I rectify that? You know, of course I can book more gigs and go do more stuff, which I will. In 2019 there are going to be a lot more live shows happening for sure. Whether that's with my own thing or a couple of tours, at least a couple of tours with Bob with Bobby coming up. Um Europe possibly Japan I'm not sure uh but the other thing of really doing that dedicated practice thing you know I when I'm not playing on the road a lot I like to do this practice set thing where I put I'm just opening up a couple here in Spotify um and it's like super random stuff like here's one from, okay here's one from March 23rd 2015 and this is a practice set. The idea being it's really like an ear training and consistency thing where I put, what have I got in here? I've got 15 songs. It's 57 minutes long. So that's almost a set. I could probably put two more songs in there to make it a complete set. Um, and I would say the the the, the main focus is you got to let a verse and a chorus go by. These are all songs, by the way. This is not jazz. And I'll, I'll show you what they are in a second. Um, you got to learn the song within the first verse and the first chorus. So by the time the second verse comes around, you know the song. You're not trying to nail some exact intricate bass line, but I'm definitely uh, trying to know the harmony to the point where if I was on a gig, I could get through this song and not be a total disgrace, you know? So this is doing great things for, but for my ear, you know? And I'm playing, trying to play songs I've never played before. Maybe I've heard them. Maybe I know the, the band or maybe I've heard the song, but definitely something I've never played before. So this, this list, I'll show you how collected it, it is. It opens with Sturgill Simpson. Um, who I'm a big fan of. Woke up today and decided to kill my ego. Okay, then it goes into like Foo Fighters, Let It Die. Kind of, once it gets there, it's a little little more rocking. Where is it? And then Foo Fighters, My Hero. Apparently, it was on a bit of a Foo Fighters day that day. Kings of Lee. Oh my god. I don't even know if I want to hear this song again right now. Because then that's just going to be in my head. This is, you know, three years ago, don't forget. Um, oh, cool song. The Strokes, Welcome to Japan. But listen to that, that little half-step movement right there. That, 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 that's a cool one to be aware of and to know what it is as soon as you hear it and that there's a half-step going on there. That's good, good for the ear. Uh, then, huh. my buddy... Maroon 5 Sugar, Ed Sheeran, Sam Smith, Kelly Clarkson, (laughs) two Kelly Clarksons, I like this tune, Conrad Sewell, but you know anyone who listens to to me or or knows my music you know this is like not, this is not what I perform, you know I, I don't work with any of these artists and this is not the style of music I choose to perform but I do listen to this stuff and it is pretty huge in terms of simple muscle memory, ear training. I really dig that about it. I think it's a great exercise. At least it works for me. Uh-oh. The weekend. 
Sting, Why Should I Cry For You, some older stuff. Love that. Oh, talking about old stuff. <laughs> and there are some things like this, like this Phil Collins track, for instance, is quite specific rhythmically. So not only am I looking at the harmony, I'm definitely looking at what the bass line is doing because it's, you know, it's, if you don't know this song, check out, check out what's going on with the bass. It's quite rhythmically specific what's going on there. So that would be a typical practice set. That's like an almost an hour long. And maybe I would add another couple of songs to that to really get the maintenance. There was another, oh, John Bryant, Songs of Man, Souls of Manhattan. That's a beautiful song, but apparently it's not available on Spotify anymore. So that was in the list as well. Um, what happens after that is you get a bunch of recommended songs. So there's a ton more by like there's Alice Cooper. Foo Fighters, James Bay, Mark Ronson, Bruno Mars, you know, so you also get a, maybe another bunch of stuff in the same vein that you perhaps don't know. It's one of the things I like about Spotify and streaming and these kind of suggested things that come up. But the basic concept is is that. And um, I've got a bunch of them here. I think these are public if you follow me on Spotify. Um, you know, these are these are public. And there's like some real like pop stuff. Back in the high life again. Give me some loving. Kenny Loggins, this is it. Little Michael Jackson. And some modern Michael Jackson. And then contrasted with. This is kind of my singing in the shower type of music because I'm a dreadful singer, but I will turn that up in the house and sing the hell out of it just for my own little satisfaction. Some modern stuff, John Mayer, some more Maroon 5. Oh, Sean Colvin. Great tune. I really love like the country folk stuff, which is it's poppy in some of the harmonic sensibilities, but I always find a little a little twist in that stuff or a little passing chord that might not be so common. Like maybe you find something in a Patty Griffin tune or a Sean Colvin tune that you wouldn't necessarily find in a Steve Winwood tune. Ah, no, not Steve is quite adventurous with this thing, but you wouldn't maybe you wouldn't find it in a Kelly Clarkson or a Katy Perry tune. There are like a few intricacies that I love figuring out in real time i think that does uh, uh, rather than you know trying to listen to a michael brecker solo or a really complex jazz tune with dense harmonic rhythm and try and cop all of that all at once i think i really like to work on the fundamentals over longer periods of time and in real time like that i think that works wonders for the more complicated stuff the more I work on little things piece by piece in the middle of a bigger picture, like a Sean Colvin song, and there's a little chord, and oh, what is that? And my ear gets adjusted to it. Then once the complex stuff comes along, it's just a, a, a slightly tighter packed version of that. And there are just more of those little twists happening. So I like to work on that. Trapeze, 
Patty Griffin, and I've got one by Kareem Powell, which I love. Great singer from Scotland. Check her out. Some really interesting parts as well. Beautiful guitar parts, amazing voice. A very simple diatonic harmony. But I'm listening for the detail of where things resolve, and some of them are slightly delayed, the resolutions and stuff. So it's, it's all these little details that really kind of help my ear and, and the bigger picture of having a better ear. Hey Daisy darling, don't spread your arms so wide Why don't you keep a little something inside Anyway, yeah, so that's kind of one side of it That's definitely something I'm doing when I'm not playing so many shows And right now I'm not playing any shows I've got one show on a book for the rest of the year It's kind of a bummer, actually i definitely got to start doing something about that and uh, it's just so much freaking work putting shows together with no... Uh, I, I don't want to sound like a whiny bastard right now. I just want to be honest about the process. And it is a massive pain in the ass putting shows together and putting tours together. And it's a shitload of work. It's like six months of work for a two-week tour, three-week tour maybe. So the level of work you have to put in and take away from so many other things that happen in day-to-day -day just to get that two, three weeks of action happening is, is huge. And it's something I've done for like over a decade now, but I really have to psych myself up for it and be like, okay, here we go. Okay, I'm 100% in, I'm all in. I don't want to do it half-assed as well. I really like to, like to nail it. Last minute tour, last minute world tour last year was really fun. And that was helped so much by you guys, by the coffee drinkers. That really helped out with the workload. Um, it's just a lot harder to do that if I want to take some sort of ensemble with me. The stakes get raised in a big way and you're responsible for other people and you want to travel with a with a sound with a front of house person and and do it right, you know, and that gets really tough. If it's just me playing solo, which it was last year for forty, fifty shows or something, it, it's a lot more easy it's a lot easier to manage. And I can deal with the variables a lot better because I was traveling with most of my gear. Um, but with a band, oof, it's a big ask, you know. And I've done it before, you know. Maybe, maybe it was it was a while ago now, and I should do it again, and it will be, um, it'll be a little easier because the audience is a little bigger, it'll be more support through the coffee drinker fraternity, which I can't, I can't reiterate enough how much I appreciate that. So. Maybe it's time to do something with a band again. I've been thinking about Clarence Penn and Philip Dizak and maybe a piano player, I don't know, Roslyn or something like that, maybe like a quartet album. I've been thinking about a lot of things. Something with Tim Miller and Jojo Mayer, trio, all kinds of stuff. I, of course, welcome all of your suggestions. Maybe you'll come up with a combination I haven't thought about or a concept that I would be happy to to try and put into action. But yeah, it's that balance of finding the right people, the right music, the right situation, setup, tour. All of those things have to line up and it is a lot of work. It's probably why, you know, Bob's first tour as a band leader was 40 years old, you know. And I totally get it. I don't think that's a bad thing at all, you know. And it ended up paying off big time. Amazing tour, amazing audience and he put in the work over the years and years to build that up and we got out there and people responded accordingly and it was fantastic 
really good fun. And he wasn't booking that. He had a booking agent, but still, even for the booking agent, it was a lot of work. So I got to gotta take that into consideration. And can I, can I bring myself to do it? Again, I don't want to be a whiny, whiny bitch, but so important to look after your sanity at the same time and not just um, because I'm not 21 anymore and I, I, I can't just like take the beating before I you know 15 years ago or whatever 20 years ago, I could just like try something and if it didn't work out just take the beating and get up again and and go into the next thing now I definitely notice a change in that I want to be way more selective about what it is I'm going to get into and uh and how I'm going to try and set myself up. I'm going to plan a little better. Not that I want to be more careful or more delicate or whatever it is. You know, I'm not trying to not trying to be old. <laughs> not trying to be a grumpy old man about it. I think I'm definitely looking at it from a few more angles the older I get. And that balancing act of like keeping the playing together, keeping the inspiration there. And at the same time, finding the right moment to go and do the tour, to go and really do that work, to do all of that work, to put it together. Because it's not a part of my daily routine. I will say, I see other people out there who, what they do is tour. You know, band leaders and, you know, side uh, freelance musicians alike, what they do is tour year round. And that's really their focus. Um, and they do that all the time. And uh, a lot of, people I know like that have, have been very successful from it just through the sheer volume of doing it and I think I just know that about myself that I can't spend that long on the road so that's not going to be an option I can't just like spend 10 months on, of the year on the road for the sake of it uh, knowing that that's going to pay off and the gigs will get better the guarantees will get higher the audience will grow I have to come at it from a slightly different perspective because I know I just can't put in that amount of time I've already put in a ton of that time I think with, with my own band a little bit but definitely with other people I had some amazing experiences and now it's, it's definitely time to refine that a little bit this is good this is very therapeutic thinking out loud and hopefully talking to an audience of people who at least understand it you, that might, you might not be trying to do what I'm trying to do but I'm guessing a lot of people listening understand that and have those same thoughts as well, have those same doubts, you know? Because I definitely have doubts about it. That's why I'm not doing it around the clock. And it's finding the solution to overcome the doubts and and just putting it out there, letting go and putting it out there and being okay with doing all the work that goes along with that touring as some sort of artist, band leader, whatever you want to call it. I think it's definitely time for another uh, ensemble record under my own name. Again, that's what I was thinking. Like Philip Dizak and Clarence Penn, we just had an amazing gig in New York a couple of months ago, and that really like fired me up. Always happens. Like when I go and play a really fun gig with like, I mean, Phil is kind of new to me in terms of us playing together. Clarence, I've been playing with for over ten years, so. A little bit of known, a little bit of unknown, and just equally as inspiring from either either end. And now trying to come up with the with the right combination of musicians, and then see if you know if that's just going to be a record, and we make it, we put it out, and that's it, or whether we could actually do some shows. 
and seeing what people's tolerance level for touring that material is and how much they want to eat it or not, you know, <laughs> like how much people are willing to go on the road for and how much people are willing to suck it up, flying coach and doing all kinds of things that I don't want to do. <laughs> um, try and get some sort of collective situation going where we all agree on the, all agree on the framework. So yeah, talking this stuff out, really helpful. Appreciate you being around to listen to that and somehow, I don't know, give feedback along the way. I know I'm going to run into coffee drinkers all over the world. Um, I'm going to be in Sweden next week. Uh, I'm actually going to be in London for a night as well. I'm going to go see Jojo on the way to Sweden. Jojo Mayer is playing in London, Hoxton, uh, whatever that that spot is over there it's on the jojomayor.com the nerve website I'm going to go check that show out that'll be fun um, maybe talk to the boys backstage on the podcast that could be cool That's I know that's the last night of their European tour so they're going to be dialed in probably have a lot to talk about or maybe they'll be so exhausted they just want to go to sleep afterwards but either way it's going to be a fun night I'm going to head to Sweden and hang out with Anders for a couple of days work on these bases and then go see Chelsea in Denmark. So I'll actually be in Copenhagen for a hot second as well. A very hot second. And then I don't know where I'm going to go. A couple of days I'm going to go somewhere. Maybe Barcelona. Maybe Germany. I'm not sure. Um, don't know yet, but I'll keep you posted. No shows happening. Not as of yet anyway. Um, thinking of going... Gary Willis extended the invitation to go do a little mountain biking down in Barcelona. So that sounds like the best option right now. See, it's making life choices as well and not making sure everything doesn't revolve around work, having a healthy balance of that. I think that's something I'm getting better at, uh, but I could definitely be better. You know, and set, even if it's just like a day and a half, like setting that time aside to not make vlogs, to not make podcasts, to not practice the bass, or to be writing a book or planning a tour or rehearsing or whatever it is, just setting it once, once or twice a month, maybe setting a couple of days aside and really doing something completely different, way outside of my comfort zone or, or just outside of my day-to-day -day routine. I think I haven't done enough of that over the past 15, 20 years. So on that note... It's been a long day. I've been talking for six hours straight now. Not good. And I want to practice. And I want... Yeah, I want to practice something repetitive. I'm feeling a, a repetitive mood coming on. So I think I'm going to go into maybe some... Jay Diller instrumentals. Pick, pick up the bass line. I don't know. One of these. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something repetitive. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty cool bass line. 90 now, 90 now. All heads realize. I don't know. I'm not going to play the whole track on a podcast, that's for sure. It'll probably get me shut down. <laughs> Maybe some, yeah, maybe some Jay Dilla. That's what my, the next hour is going to look like. 
maybe that's what you're going to do right now. I don't know. I highly recommend it. Playing something repetitive, getting in that almost meditation state, meditative state or whatever you call it, transcendental state, is that what it is? But all distractions, like pushing away all distractions, the computer, the laptop, the iPad, the phone, the the clutter around you, maybe that's the kids, that's the cat, the dog, the turtle, the, the guinea pig, whatever it is, <laughs> you know, maybe that's closing the shades and not seeing what's going on outside and just getting so far inside that music, inside that one bass line and sitting there and like existing in the middle of it for, even if it's just for 10 minutes, even if you play the song like four times on repeat, I'd suggest getting in there for 30, 40, 50 minutes, maybe an hour and then you get, then you really find some things out about yourself. You find some things out about your your will, your intent, your persistence. There's really character building, I think, as well. If you can do that and actually enjoy it, not like it's a penance, but do it and really be into it. That's pretty huge. That's what I'm looking for, at least, every time I sit down and do something like that. To be really engaged, totally shut off from everything else and just completely in the middle of the music. That's when I get the most... It's when I see the most results. And it's quite often when I have the most fun as well. Because you can really shut everything off and just get inside inside the groove. It does wonders for your time and your sound as well. Puts that so far inside your muscle memory. Wow. Yeah, okay, I'm going to stop talking about it. I'm going to go do it. Coffee drinkers, once again. Thank you for listening. The Coffee Drinker Podcast, episode number two. See you cats, episode.